At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to InvestTalk. This is our Tuesday, December 26, 2023 edition. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas yesterday. And we have, we are into the final trading week of the year, only five days away from Chris, from New Year's Eve, excuse me. And then this year will be in the record books. So it's been a, an interesting year uh, for many investors. A lot of unexpected moves, but that's is typical. It's a lesson to be taken from this year is that nobody knows how the next year is going to go, but it's probably not going to be the way that you think it will turn out. Sometimes that can be positive, as it was this year. Sometimes that can be negative, as it was last year. But either way, you have to be ready for the market that comes at you. The market that is, not the one you hope it to be. Because like I said, market cer certainly surprises. And so my job here is to help you navigate over the next year, two years, five years, decade plus. Market's going to evolve. But the principles of sound risk management, sound fundamental and technical analysis stays roughly the same. Now, there are always wrinkles and, and new things, but the fundamentals of markets and econo economics, they're fundamental. And our job each and every day is to help instill those fundamentals in you, the investor. So you don't stray too far off the path. And that path is towards financial freedom. Some people call it retirement. I call it financial freedom to start doing the things that you want to do next year and the years ahead, as opposed to what you have to do. But either way, you have to make consistently good decisions with your budget as well as your savings. It's not a one-time thing. It's a day after day, week after week, month after month thing. So the way that we do that on this show is to answer your questions with an unbiased perspective, developed with over 20 plus years of investment experience. Now we're going to talk about the market today, as well as run down some show topics. But as always, we're going to hit our first caller question now. You know, 
this is James from Texas calling on ticker symbol DOV, Dover. So I've had it in my portfolio about a half of a position for the last last several months since about March and just wanting to check to see what your thoughts are on the company, if it's something worth holding or maybe even potentially adding to. Thank you. All right, looking at Dover Corporation, this is fairly large, about $21 billion market cap. They're an industrial name, diversified industrial manufacturer that makes products that includes digital printing for fast-moving consumer goods, marking and coating for food and beverage industries, loaders and for the waste collection industry, pumps for transportation of fluids, including petroleum and natural gas, so there's some exposure there. Commercial refrigerators used in grocery and convenience stores. These are all, I call them bread and butter businesses, the businesses that most people have taken for granted as they focused highly on the exciting businesses, the tech businesses, okay? Now, they do have exposure to clean energy and, and, and parts of, say, new, newer technologies, but overall, this is a business that over the years has been incredibly consistent, incredibly consistent. And so that's why I like it. Because if I look at the return equity right now, it's 23. That's right near the longer term average. And if I zoom out to its history, it's return equity has pretty much been in the high teens, the low 20% range. Going back all the way, this went public in 1989. So that's how long it's been around. And it continues to have earnings growth. Now, earnings have slowed this year down 7% from last year, but that's a minor bump in a long history of consistent growth. So if you're looking for an industrial name, something that's not too large that can still continue to grow, this is the type of name that you want to own. Only three, less than $3 billion, excuse me, in net debt, which is nothing in a $21 billion market cap, times interest earned 11.3 times, so well covered, free cash flow of a billion dollars per year on a $21 billion market cap, about a 5% free cash flow yield, which is not amazing, but it's solid. And cash flows are going up. So I have no problem with this. I don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to continue to hold this. Yes, it pulled back from January all the way until this recent bottom in end of October, but it's been rallying nicely ever since. And the valuations are not drastically off. You know, it's probably, it's roughly, I would call it fairly valued, not cheap, but fairly valued. And the technicals are rapidly improving. So simple answer here, hold. Hold. There's nothing for you to do. Don't get don't get thrown off by the zigs and zags. There's always going to be times where even the best businesses, you know, they have consolidation periods and pullbacks and 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 you know their subsector that they might be in or the style factor that it sits in isn't necessarily in favor. And this would be one of those. Because this would be considered mid-cap value, probably. Mid-cap core, call it. And for most of the year, growth was outperforming up until 
the last few months where value started outperforming. This has moved from 127 all the way to 154, certainly outperforming the market over the past two months. So you're just getting going here. This trend has just started. So yeah, simple answer, hold Dover. Now we have a lot of ground to cover over the next 40 minutes. Our main focus is going to be on annuities. And this year is a record for annuity sales. We're going to talk about why that is and why most people are buying the wrong type of annuities. So we're going to go over fixed annuities, variable annuities, indexed annuities, and annuity guarantees and explain how you should think about annuities, where they might fit in somebody's overall investment and diversity strategy and where they shouldn't. Okay. We're also going to go over some other topics. One is in regards to this recent speculative era, really kicked off by the COVID crisis and just tons of money flowing into the economy. And it's going to actually, this actually feeds a little bit into the annuity discussion. But this era of investors taking a lot of risk. Certainly, it's hard to kill. Even after last year, where high risk, especially in the growth side of the market, were was was not rewarded. This year, the opposite has happened. So it's been hard to kind of kill that speculative fever. So we're going to talk about that and what that might mean going forward. Also, style drift. This is important when it comes to funds that you invest in. Well, style drift is saying, okay, it says it's this type of strategy. It says that it's this type of portfolio that you're going to be invested in. But over time, that can change. And there's some, I don't want to say horror stories, but there's some stories that can give you a little uh, pause, okay, that uh, that the current strategy may not always be the strategy that persists within a particular fund. So we're going to look at a story there. And lastly, is there going to be a second mountain for inflation? that the Fed needs to climb. We'll talk about that. So that's what's on the docket for me. And this next 40 minutes, we're also going to touch on a voice bank question on options as well as Alibaba. And we have an iTunes review question to get to as well. Now let's take a look at the market performance for today. It was a overall positive day. You had large caps up about 46 basis points. Now, let me give you a primary basis points. 1% would be 100 basis points. Okay, so I say 46 basis points, that means 0.46%. Okay, so 46 basis points on large caps, mid caps up 65 basis points, and small caps up almost 1%, 89 basis points uh, there. So small caps certainly outperformed as they have been for really most of the fourth quarter here as we go into the close. So not a, not a shocker there to see that trend kind of continue. Uh, what are some big actives? We active movers today. Uh, let's see. No, Tesla, uh, Intel was up five percent. That was a nice move there. Big losers. I'm trying to see if there's any highlights. Not real lot, a lot of highlights to be honest with you on in today's market. Just kind of that holiday float, low volume, low volatility type of day, and shouldn't be a shock to see this market rallying into year end. And really into most likely what will be option X, which is the third Friday of January. 
After that, I think that's when you could start seeing more volatility in the markets. Until then, mild volatility and mild volatility tends to bring higher prices and assets. Now, we are in the final days of a holiday giveaway contest. It is, uh, we're giving away free autographed copies of Steve's book about Azure investing for the average investor. It is a no nonsense beginner's guide to the world of buying and selling equities. Now, just to enter, it's very simple. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as, a, as well as follow us on Instagram and like our holiday giveaway post and just tag three friends. We're picking one winner each day until the end of the year. So we have about five more to give away. So you could be the next one if you enter. Now my phone lines are open waiting for your questions at 888-99-CHART. Every investor is working to build a secure financial future. Would this be an opportune time to get into annuities? Everyone's situation is different. Get your thoughts on CRM, Salesforce. And so are their questions. And I was just calling for your assessment of Blackstone Incorporated. To get your take on Chewy. Ticker symbol L-E-C-O. Just wanted to get your opinion on JP Morgan. Invest Talk hosts Justin Klein. You know, I'm okay paying fair price for a very good business. Steve Peasley. It's a very well-run company. And now Luke Guerrero. EBITDA growth is significantly higher than its competitors. Are ready to provide their unbiased answers. Each podcast is unique and you set the agenda. I will. Hey, hi Steve. 24-7, rain or shine, Invest Talk is made better by the power of you. Call 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. For serious investors, it's all about achieving financial freedom. That's why the unbiased guidance offered by Stephen Justin is so valuable. The Invest Talk Anytime listener lines are open now, and Stephen Justin welcome your questions. Call 888 99Chart. Hi, this is Mike from Dallas. I'm curious what you think of Copart CPRT from a long term hold basis. Thank you. Copart, C-P-R-T. So this is, let me pull it up here. I had a different symbol. Copart is, okay, so yes, I remember Copart. They conduct salvage auction, salvage vehicle auctions for insurance companies, charities, dealerships, banks, etc. So this is a name that kind of has a lock on this part of the market. They have operations in 11 countries, North America, Europe, and Middle East, 35, 3.5 million transactions annually. Solid business, very, very solid business. The question is, are they over earning? Because pre-pandemic, they were earning eh, 45 to 50 cents per share in earnings. Now, this year's supposed to be $1.47. And we know used vehicle prices have been elevated, but that is starting to come down. Okay. So that is my biggest worry is that there will be some sort of correction in used vehicle prices and that would make their business less profitable. Uh, you've already seen that drop, uh, but you know, from a volume perspective, will they see it as well? I'm not sure. 
What I do like is that they have consistent profitability. It's a bit expensive for my taste, so I would be waiting. But the technicals are fine, the business trends are fine so far, but I, I just don't love the current entry point from a long-term perspective. Now we're going to a quick break. Please remember that you can call anytime and leave your questions on the InvestTalk Voice Bank. If you're listening via our live stream or on AM 1220 radio in Silicon Valley area, you can call right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, our main focus point set up by this headline, are annuities worth your attention? And there are all different types of annuities. That the majority are not necessarily good. So let's talk about fixed annuities, variable annuities, index annuities, etc. Now, Americans have bought $360 billion of annuities this year. And that is a record. As a record after a record year last year of $311 billion, which set a record. The last time it set a record was post-financial crisis in 08. So what you can see is when you have major deflationary shocks like 08 or the COVID mini crisis, people get freaked out. And a lot of people are worried about equities. But what's interesting is I think people take the wrong lessons from those. The wrong lessons from each of those crises. And I think the lesson is look what governments do in the face of these type of events, these deflationary events. So those are, right? When you shut when, when you shut off lending like you did in the financial crisis or you shut off the entire economy like we did for about 3 months during the COVID crisis, all both of those are big deflationary impulses. But what you can see is governments step in. And what they do is they point a bazooka at the economy. Whether that's TARP or a stimulus package or that's the multiple stimulus packages during the COVID crisis and dropping rates to zero, doing QE, etc. So both on the fiscal and monetary side, they both threw bazookas at the situation in both instances. Now, a bigger bazooka was the COVID crisis. Smaller bazooka was during the financial crisis. But both were about countering the deflationary impulse. And what did that create? An inflationary impulse, especially when that bazooka was so large in the COVID crisis. Now, annuities really are designed for protecting against the deflationary environment. Now, that certainly can be, that can happen again, and maybe governments don't have the power to spin us back into an inflationary economy. But during the two most extreme scenarios over the past 15 years, they were able to do that. So most likely they'll be able to do it again. And they just take additional steps that they didn't before. This last one, they bought corporate bonds, for example, which they hadn't done before. Could they go buy equities next time? Why not? Bank of Japan did it. 
right? You know this playbook is going to happen again. And they'll take it to more and more extremes. So annuities, uh, let me back up. Protecting against that deflationary impulse is not what most people really should be thinking about in this new world. It's actually the inflationary environment. And guess what? Equities do extremely well on a nominal basis in an inflationary environment. What doesn't do well? Fixed income products. Now, whether that's long-term treasuries like you saw over the past two years, or that's an annuity where the yield does not go up. It stays fixed. Now, there are different types of annuities, like we said before. There are your fixed annuities. And I think for certain people, that can be fine. But mainly, it's for those older people. The sweetest, sweet part for those fixed annuities are late 70s, early 80s. When a person knows, once you hit the, that age, you're, your lifestyle is pretty set. Your expenses are pretty set. And you know, you can say, I want this additional income above and beyond my social security or pensions that I might get to bridge that gap. And these are the simplest type of annuities, single premium immediate annuities, as well as deferred income annuities. So single premium means immediate is, is I'm getting that today. I'm going to put a dollar amount to the insurance company. I'm getting this income stream for the rest of my life. Simple, straightforward, low fee, et cetera. Deferred are, 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 are pretty simple as well. Saying, I'm going to give the, the insurance company money today, and in 15, 20, 25 years, when I hit my 70s or, or 80s, I'm going to start getting that stream of income. Now, consumers up to September 30th bought $9.7 billion of the single-payer immediate annuities and $2.8 billion of the deferred income annuities. So not that much when you compare it to the indexed annuities, 71 billion there and 39 billion of the variable annuities. So indexed and variable annuities, which are far more complex, carry much higher fees. And the reason why more of those are sold, insurance agents get paid a much higher commission for selling them. Now, yes, you can be a little clever, clever with the way you build a, a variable or indexed annuity. But the details are in the fine print. They're extremely high fee. They're poor investment vehicles. And you'd be much better off just buying the S&P 500, for example. Without all the bells and whistles, which typically are hard to understand. So if you can't be explained in a simple one or two pages, it's really not a good thing. So overall, I don't love annuities. But for certain people, they can be okay. But for most people out there... You don't need them because you need max upside. And a lot of these uh, annuities actually cap your upside. Now, the next Invest Talk, we'll look into the story behind this question. What happens if you maxed out your 401k? That's story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? 
Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. Long-time listener here. I have a question about stocks from China, specifically Alibaba, JD, and Neo. I know that there's a lot of regulations, um, international stocks, so I was wondering if it's uh, a good time to like hold it or should we just continue buying as I see most of these are dropping in prices. Look forward to hearing from you. Well, just because they're dropping in prices in price does not mean that you buy them. A lot of times, it's dropping in price for a reason, a good reason, especially when that drop in price is been sustained. And when you look at Alibaba, Neo, etc., they all peaked a long time ago. Really beginning of 2021. And they've been in a downtrend ever since. Alibaba was over $300 per share and now it's at 75. Neo was at 65, $66 per share and now it's at 9 and change. And they're rallying a little bit as of late, but not anything that's breaking this longer-term downtrend. And then you look at the geopolitical trends. China is battling a U.S. government that is increasingly trying to incentivize corporations to not export any more jobs to China to reinvest in domestic production. And you can see corporations are following that. They're not putting much money into China anymore. They may be keeping existing production there, but they're not in any large way growing that production. 
and obviously there's geopolitical problems there. There's there's demographic issues with we know the Chinese population is now shrinking and will likely shrink for you know a number of decades due to the one child policy. And then you have to understand the accounting regulations or lack thereof. So while companies might say X, right, say that they're earning X and their revenues are, are Y, but nobody has firm understanding of how accurate that is. If you talk to any expert within China, you'll say, there's something there, and we know they're lying, but are they lying by 5%, 10%, or 50%, 60%? It's, it's really hard to know. And the efforts by regulators to legitimize those numbers gets pushback from the Chinese government. So investors aren't putting money there. The numbers that come out may or may not be correct. And the charts largely look terrible. Especially when you look at JD and Alibaba. Neo's a little bit better, but still bad in the... If they're lying, they're poor liars because they're losing money still. So... I see no reason to get into this, especially when the technicals look so poor. Now, could things change? Could we have a warming of relations? Could corporations start reinvesting there? Sure, it's possible. But until then, I'm passing on it. And the technicals will firm up probably before those headlines hit. And that's not happening either. So it's interesting to watch. But watch is only the only thing you do right now. You don't buy these or hold these. Now let's touch on the speculative era that was really kicked off by COVID. Now since then, you've had war in Ukraine, higher interest rates. Now the issues in the Middle East. And... Last year was a tough time for those speculators. Especially if you were focused on investing in technology stocks or a crypto. That has, those multiples came down on tech stocks. Crypto was down a ton. I forgot the exact number last year. I think Bitcoin bottomed around in the low teens. I would say 12,000, somewhere in that range. And this year has been kind of a flip, 180. And tech stocks are now roughly flat, depending on what you're talk- which ones you're talking about, uh, from beginning of last year. So it's been a big round trip. But what's interesting is valuations haven't really corrected. If you look at the CAPE ratio, for example, the cyclically adjusted P ratio, in March of last year, it was 34. Now it's at 31, still well above historical averages. So... It's not like things are cheap again, and suddenly that's why things are rallying. No. Still very expensive, well above historical averages. Crypto, you've had the collapse of FTX and Sam Bakeman-Fried and Binance, etc. 
And you've had a, a big rally in those those assets once again. Crypto more broadly, but definitely Bitcoin. Now the question is, why has not has that part of the speculative market not really died? You'd think with higher interest rates, it would die. But the answer is kind of twofold. First, they're not just interest rates, but real interest rates. When interest rates were zero and inflation was, you know, one, two percent, real rates were flat to negative. And in that environment, when cash has real returns of flat to negative, people go out there and search for risky assets. But what you've seen so far this year is one rates have gone up a little bit more from where they started the year. Inflation has dropped pretty significantly. And so real rates, well, sorry, real rates were actually deeply negative. Even though the nominal rates were high, you had high inflation. You had 8% inflation. And you subtract out even 5% 10-year, that's a negative 3 real, real yield. So negative real yields were in place, even though nominal yields, yields were higher. Only as of late have you seen real yields actually go up. And what's interesting is really when inflation really was killed, kind of in the summer, that's when those real rates were positive. And that's when the kind of the growthier side of the market started to slow down. If you notice, there was kind of a slowing of appreciation in the SPAC half of the year versus the first half. First half of the year, crypto assets, tech stocks, they were booming. They were busted right out of the gates beginning of the year. And so it's what's going to need to take is probably consistently higher real yields and inflation staying below what the Fed rate is at. And then you're probably going to also need some credit of it. Historically, that's what triggers a collapse in risk appetites. It means tightening credit conditions. Those that are levered up on tech stocks and, and crypto assets, they tend to get margin called, for example, and they have to force sell. And that selling begets selling, begets selling, et cetera. Now, you could also get some sort of drastic geopolitical event. But once again, really, it's about credit appetite. And as long as people are flush with cash, which I think they still are, especially when you have budget deficits at 5.7% of GDP in the current year. Think of that, 5.7% is our budget deficit. So as long as that stays elevated, money's pumping into the economy, it's hard for there to be a major credit event. So that is ultimately what will kill that part of, I don't say kill, but bring valuations back to more reasonable levels and get the speculators out of the market, maybe refocusing on more productive things in the economy. 
Now, from time to time, we take we also receive invest stock questions via email. So let's tackle one. Stockpicker1422 says, I'm interested in California-based biotech company Genelux. It is developing next-generation immunotherapies for oncology patients. Supposedly been best-performing IPO this year. Is it too late to jump in? And is there a price that would interest you? GNLX. Okay, first off, best-performing IPO this year. I re- you rarely see that and, and say that's a, that's a good thing. That's not something that gets my attention and says I want to buy it. Because there's a lot of reasons why IPOs can perform well early on. Now, Genelux doesn't make money. So it's your typical biotech company. It's your typical, I call it Ponzi stock. Right, they're going public so that they continue to issue shares. That's what these companies do. That's what 99 out of 100 biotech companies that I've ever seen in my career. They're the original Ponzi stock. They're the original selling the dream to raise capital, to do more research, to hopefully get through phase three trials and live out that dream. But once again, 99 out of 100 never do. They either wallow in as a penny stock and get delisted, or they just simply go bankrupt. And this one, look at since it went public, it had 23 million shares outstanding in January of this year. Now it has 27 million. So it's issued, it's diluted shareholders by 10, 15%. In less than a year. That's the track record that you have so far. And the stock did do well up until June, when guess what? The lockup period ended. Usually there's a lockup period for IPO, six months. And after that, insiders can start to sell. And ever since that lockup period started in the summer, this has been in a downtrend. Peaked at 40, now it's all the way down to $15.02. There's zero about this name that is interesting to me or exciting. Not the technicals, not the fundamentals. You might be excited about the technology. I don't personally know much. You know, I don't, I haven't looked into this name, but it follows the pattern that almost every biotech that I've ever seen in markets follows. Sell the dream so they can sell more stock. So they can do more research, still pay their C-suite a lot of money, their scientists a lot of money, and that's it. It's a a gimmick. It's not a company. So that's the lesson here. It's not just about GNLX. It's every biotech company you've ever heard that's going to have the next cancer breakthrough or whatever. This is not rare. It's not interesting. This is your run-of-the-mill Ponzi biotech name. Now, the fourth quarter is rapidly drawing to a close, just six days away, and 2023 will be in the record books. And I'm telling you now that we're in a new market environment, which means serious investors need to adjust their thinking to fit these times. 
So let me remind you, if you are wondering if your portfolio is aligned with the new trends that are re-emerging as we close the year, small cap over large cap, value over growth, cyclical over non-cyclical. Is your portfolio aligned with that? It's a, the trends are just starting to re-emerge. Well, we can run a full analysis of your portfolios and say, are you overweight the right sectors, underweight the right sectors, style factors, et cetera. Are you taking the right risks with your portfolio based on your needs, your risk tolerance level? This is what we do during a free portfolio review assessment. So if you want to set up a meeting with me, just head over to investtalk.com, click on the portfolio review button on the top right hand of the screen and fill that out. We'll get right back to you. Now, this is InvestTalk. Hang on. More answers coming up next. In today's world, a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets. Serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination. That's why now, more than ever, when it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. InvestTalk is a free download. Your participation makes it unique. Don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. 992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. We only have about seven, eight minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now. We're heading into our final break. And as always, our job is to help you become a better investor. And nothing does that more by answering your questions. So get your call in now at 888-99-CHART. Two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, Luke, and Justin. Happy holidays to you all. This is Kevin calling from Southern California. There's a stock, a company that I, I think is uh, going bankrupt, and uh, the stock is already down to like 30 cents, 35 cents a share. And I want to put on my thoughts of bankruptcy. What's the best way to do that if my brokerage is not allowing any more short selling on this stock? Is there a way to use options to profit in the next couple of months? That's my question. And I look forward to hearing your answer on the show. And thank you as always. Again, happy holidays. Yeah, very simple. Buy puts. You buy in the money puts. I don't know if puts are available or options are available on that particular stock. A lot of times when they're that cheap, there aren't. But yeah, pretty simple. Go buy some puts. There you go. All right, now, lastly, I want to touch on a story. And it's a story of how an investment company can go awry or investment fund. And this is called Spruce House Investment Management. It started in 2006 couple of friends from University of Penn and they study in their dorm rooms and they they espouse value investing. They loved Benjamin Graham, the uh Vaven uh Vaven wrote or they're asked to contribute to the newest edition of Securities Analysis by Benjamin Graham, which is a Bible for value investors. And 
they're even mentored by Seth Klarman, who's one of the most storied value investors out there. But in 2000, and, and they did really well. They did really well as they started the first uh, eight years or so up until 2016. They, did, they returned 18% after fees compared with only 8% for the S&P in those first, that first decade or so. But in 2018, they pivoted to growth stocks and initially did very well. They bought companies like Carvana, Wayfair, Applovin, et cetera. And then 2022 happened. And Carvana crashed 98%. Wayfair and Applovin over 80%. And they lost over two-thirds of their clients' money. Two-thirds. And just shows you that even if you start off as a value investor and in the fund is a value investing fund, especially these private funds, they can shift. They have the ability to do so. And that can go well for a short period of time, but the fundamentals of investing went out. The fundamentals of businesses and they just weren't there. And now the company or the, the pair of Managers are vowing to prioritize companies that carry little debt and work are consistently profitable. Things that we espouse here on this show. So it's really interesting to see that story and just know that value investing, it wins out. Growth can work well over short periods of time, but over long term, fundamentals matter. And that fund figured it out the hard way. Our job here is to help you figure it out the easy way, which is listening to experienced investors like us. All right, that about does it. I'm Justin Klein. Thank you all for tuning in to Invest Talk. And a reminder to tell your friends and family about our show and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, as well as you can find our shows anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a wonderful night. InvestTalk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.